Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We must pass these voting rights bills. We're going to vote. We're all going to go on the record. It's not about making voting easier. It's about making cheating easier. Putin is a bad guy. This is an extremely dangerous situation. On Ukraine's border, Russia has ratcheted up its threats. And, and the whole world is watching. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views with Tom, Benny, and Clark. And uh, the president, I guess he's still uh, going at it. He on, uh, had a press conference earlier today and uh, started the first uh, 10, 15. He actually started on time, which I thought was phenomenal. I mean, for Joe Biden to show up on time anywhere. But uh, the first 10, 15 minutes, he was giving a speech, and I think he got it mixed up with the, the Build Back Better speech he gave six months ago, because it was identical. I mean, everything he started talking about in the Build Back Better, you know, this is going to cure everything. This is what the people, the American people want. And I'm sitting there listening. I'm thinking, uh, well, if it's so wonderful, and this is what everybody wants, then how come you haven't passed it? <laughs> you ever see the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah. All over again, yeah. again and again, again and, and again. again. But some of the things that he said during the Q and A, they were, you know, just one of the big things was inflation, and you know he's blaming inflation entirely on supply and demand. I mean, there, he's, he's, he said, "Well, the reason why inflation is so high because a third of the uh, cost of the inflation increased is due to the fact that car prices have gone up." And that accounts for a third of the inflation. And the reason why the car prices have gone up is because we can't get chips. Well, guess what? We couldn't get chips a year ago, Prez. And since a year ago, this is when car prices have gone up 40%. So, and then we, they ask them about, you know, energy, gas. Well, you know, when, when I released uh, the petroleum reserves and I got India and China to release them, well, did he get China to release any? I don't think he did. Mm. But he said that, and uh, he said, and you know, it came down about ten, fifteen cents some places. Well, it's up. And then he goes on two minutes later and says, "Well, people get tired when they were paying two dollars and forty cents for gas, and now they got to pay five dollars and twenty cents." Well, and and you're bragging that you, you temporarily brought it down by ten cents. He didn't. He didn't have a clue. And you know, somebody that spent fifty years in government. I mean. It, it wasn't until, what, three weeks ago that he even addressed food prices at all because he gave another in, incoherent story of, hey, his sister-in-law or something was talking about ham, hamburger prices in the grocery store. Did you know they were up like – is that the his only knowledge of the of the Probably. inflation prices in the last year? Now, you know, some, some of them are supply chain issues. Some of them are demand issues. Why is the demand so high? Well, when the government throws money out like hard candy at a freaking Christmas parade, um, what do you expect? Well, you know, I remember years ago hearing stories and reading stories about people that were behind the Iron Curtain coming to America and seeing one of our supermarkets. And they, you know, they would come in and they would think, "This this is all set up to fool us. Because over in these communist Soviet countries, the shelves are bare. Mm-hmm. And they came over here and they look at our supermarkets and they said, oh, this, this can't be real. This, you know, because we've heard about how terrible capitalism is and how wonderful socialism and communism is. So this can't possibly be the case. 
Well, you know what? If if you bought in to the lies of Joe Biden and the socialists, this is what you get. This is what they have in communist countries. This is what they have in totalitarian socialist countries. The shelves are empty, and we are on the way. And he said today, he said, well, they're not that bad. You know, they're 85% full. Well, I mean, to your point, you know, there was a famous story about, I can't remember if it was Gorbachev or Yeltsin, but came to America with a summit with Reagan or Bush, one of the, whichever one, I can't remember which one it was, but Basically, went into a grocery store. You've never been into a grocery store in the United States, and kind of had a you know spiritual or ideological awakening that I, I can't believe. <laughs> Maybe capitalism works. Yeah, I can't believe that this is what way America really is. I mean, it, it's a well documented yeah. story about yeah. that. And yeah. It was either uh, Yeltsin or, or Gorbachev back in the uh, what late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. The uh, anyway, I I were I guess he's still on. I'm I'm looking online. It looks like his his head's still bobbing back and forth. So, and it was interesting. I n- n- really two different perspectives. Benny came in and said this this guy has totally lost it. I I, I looked when it, my vantage point was well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, I mean, I'm not saying he was good by any means, but it wasn't as bad as – I mean, he didn't come and triple the weight of the podium, and he wasn't totally slobbering on himself. But by the way, it was very obvious that all the people that got to ask the questions were handpicked, and yep. he knew the questions ahead of time. I mean, it was very, very obvious. Well, you know, one, there was one that was from um, hmm, one of his handpicked ones, but, it, you know, it was a – pretty tough question and a tough follow-up and the guy did a good job of of pounding them and and to me that was the turning point of because i agree with you he started out as like you know it's same old same old it's to be build back better speech but he didn't sound as bad as i thought he would yeah, but, it just didn't fall out or but anything. it but it got bad in a hurry and when he got challenged on something he got completely confused and uh started um you know um that dead air, long, long pauses. Yeah, that 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 was Joe Biden. Wow. Well, well. Anyway, I, I it's I, I actually think that the the reviews are going to be pretty hard on them. I think even the mainstream media reviews are. I, I, hard might be too strong of a word, but um, yeah, the, you, you have begun to see, and you've been saying this for a long time, but you are beginning to see even the mainstream media turn on joe biden well i i know you probably get tired of hearing my theory but today i think to today i think it was intentional his there's absolutely no way his handlers would intentionally put him out there that long knowing he could not handle it and he didn't handle it and i and i think tonight you will see the mainstream media attack him and go after him and because i mean it was the most incoherent presentation by any public official i've seen in my lifetime well you know and he talked about russia invading ukraine and he just he comes out and his his rationale for why it it won't happen or it won't be as bad as it looks like it could be and it could be a bloodbath but he he said well you know i don't think it's going to be that bad because putin realizes that uh, it will really cost him a lot if he does this and I've pointed that out to him that, you know what, you, you can go in there and you can occupy it for a year or two years or 10 years, but it's going to cost you. And this is, his, this is his rationale. This is his defense. It is bad. It, I mean, we are without a president for all intents and purposes. And I think that's intentional. I think it's intentional by 
people that's behind the scenes in the Democrat Party, particularly the powerful progressive wing, the oligarchs that's running the country, I think it's intentional. We will uh, be able to tell you more tomorrow, but it's it's just the same garbage that they've been shoveling for the entire year. You know, the one thing that Biden said is wonderful. I mean, one of the things back better. I mean, this is what the one percent, sixty nine percent, and your policies. That statement about overwhelmingly, this is what blaming Republicans for blocking what everybody wants, but assume no nefarious things voted. I mean, that's not a mandate. This I started to say is the the garbage that he kept shoving, and that the amazingly loved this president. So the, the only thing that I uh, truly that they're putting Joe out there to to watch him flounder. Why is it that Jen Psaki says the same thing that he says? Now uh, maybe there's a, a reason for that. But and, she does do it coherently, though. From empathy. Um, Anyway, let's take a look at some other news. By the way, it does look like uh, it's going to be a ugly weekend. I, there's two different forecasts out there, but uh, one of the forecasts from uh, Storm Team 9 indicates that depending where you are in our listening area, now r- the southern part of our listening area down towards Wilmington, right at the coast, looks like it's going to be an all-rain event. Uh, you go inland to Onslow County, parts of Jones County, Pamlico, Hyde, Dare County, uh, you could see anywhere from a trace to an inch of snow, according to Storm, uh, Storm Team 9. Uh, you get a little further inland, Duplin County, Wayne County, Green, Lenore, Pitt, Beaufort, Washington, all the way up to Currituck. Uh, looks like uh, we'll see two to four inches north of that in our listening area, including uh, Nash, Edscombe, Bertie, uh, Gates, Northampton. Uh, you could be looking at three to six inches. So... Uh, but other other forecasts are basically calling it an sleet and ice event, which uh, I hope if it's, if it's cold and ugly that it's not ice, that it is snow, because uh, snow I can handle. Ice, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. If I had to guess, I'd say Greenville, get a little snow, a little ice, a little freezing rain uh, further north, maybe more snow and freezing rain to the south. That's probably a pretty good guess. Uh, Carolina Journal is reporting that, as we had live yesterday in our uh, interview with uh, Senator Jim Perry, Carolina Journal is reporting today legislative Democrats and Democrat Governor Roy Cooper are making it clear they will oppose the legislation to move North Carolina's primary election date from May 17th to June 7th. Uh, By the way, the North Carolina State Senate voted earlier today, 26 to 17, to delay the North Carolina primary elections to June. Now, that number, obviously, there were a lot of Democrats that didn't show up. Mm -hmm. Um, The House is supposed to vote, I think, tomorrow. I know it's later this week. I think the House will vote on this tomorrow. Uh, Cooper's already telling legislative Democrats he will veto the measure. Quote, the three-judge panel, this is from uh, Cooper's office, quote, the three-judge panel during the trial has already found as fact that the maps drawn by Republicans are intentional partisan gerrymanders. I, I, do, do you remember the judges saying that? <laughs> no, they did not say hey, that. Uh, it goes on, the Supreme Court will determine the constitutionality of these districts and legislators should avoid additional attempts to undermine the voting process. Now, if now I don't memorize everything, but I'm pretty sure that as I look back on uh, all the stories I read, the three-judge panel, two Republicans— one Democrat, they basically came to the conclusion that 
the maps followed the Constitution. Well, that's what, and that's what they're charged to do. Yeah. And, and if you look at the Constitution as it relates to that, it, it's pretty simple. It's pretty uh, just a few items it talks about, and it's um, yeah, it can be you know. Uh, I guess some people could could interpret it in a subjective way, but um, it's pretty clear that even if it was gerrymandered, they had the power to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's you know, it was a whole lot less gerrymandered than when the Democrats. It, it's did not it. unconstitutional for the legislature part, that's in control. Yeah, you know, legislative control for one party to have more uh, delegates than the other or yeah. representatives than the other. So. Elections have consequences, so says Obama. The, uh, so you ask yourself, why would they do this? Hmm. Well, they are doing it because they want to try to put the Republicans in a bind and put the state of North Carolina in a bind, and thereby having – now, it, it, this will pass the House and the Senate. as it passed the Senate today? It'll pass the House tomorrow or Friday. But uh, Cooper says he's going to veto it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they want to put the Supreme Court in a bind and the state legislature in a bind, and again, the state of North Carolina in a bind, by saying, oh, see, the Supreme Court has to redraw the maps. Yep. You don't have time. You don't to have redraw. time. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a ploy, no doubt. Well, and it's uh, it's a ploy, but who who's— Really going to get the short end of the stick, the voters of North Carolina? Well, I, I think there needs to be more attention than, of course, we're obviously giving a lot of attention, but I just don't think the average person realizes what's going on here. Um, you've, you've got the justices. If, if it does go to Supreme Court and or the Supreme Court you know, vote, votes on party lines, I mean, you'll basically have a Supreme Court saying, hey, we don't believe in the co-equal branches of government we believe we have power when we want to have it and the fact of the matter is the democrats paid for this opportunity with anita earls oh yeah i mean it's oh, in- yeah. it's intentional oh, yeah. i mean this is a person that has never been on the bench her entire professional career at all and all of a sudden she runs for the highest court in north carolina oh. i mean and, and finance financed by the person filing this lawsuit eric Holden. i mean it, it's Congratulations to Eric Holder. I mean, yeah, he's, he's – uh, is this deplorable? Yes. Is it cheating? Yes. Does it – you know, the, the interesting thing is – and you hear it on the national level with, you know, H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. You're hearing it on the state level with these shenanigans going on. And the iron – you heard it today during Biden's speech in his press conference. He said it today. They are, are are setting up the Republicans as the ones that are trying to steal the elections. Mm-hmm. It is mind-boggling. And, of course, the media, they're just all too happy to uh, carry the water for them. And it's an interesting thing that, you know, on the national level, when it kind of filters down to the state level, they keep talking about on the national level the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, Voting Rights Act. Well, go read, go read this John Lewis Act, and I did. Mm. It is basically a procedural procedural bill that will basically allow hand-picked Democrat judges yep. to overturn elections. That's what it's truly about. Yep. And if anybody says that's not the case, 
Call me up, and we'll go read it word for word. It doesn't say anything. It's a procedural issue about voting rules and allowing all these hand-picked justices that the Democrat Party has spent hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, or tens of millions of dollars, to try to overturn state's elections. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, this conversation will continue, and uh, an individual who has written to Joe Manchin and encouraged him to vote for this bill, if you haven't heard this news already, it'll knock your socks off in a bad way. Nick Saban. Nick Saban has come out and signed a letter encouraging Joe Manchin to vote for the, they call it, the Voters' Rights Act. It's anything but that. Uh, by the way, going into break, uh, WITN News is reporting uh, multiple emergency crews were on the scene earlier this afternoon. A military vehicle from Camp Lejeune was uh, in a wreck around 1 o'clock this afternoon. Apparently numerous uh, Marines on the back of this five-ton truck carrying Marines uh, were seriously injured. Uh, helicopters came in to fly the Marines to the hospital. Uh, no update. We'll see if we can get an update uh, during the, the hour. Stay with us. More news and views right after this. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Talk about that. Talk about that accident uh, with the uh, Marine truck. Uh, sorry to report to you that uh, state troopers now say that two Marines have died in that accident. And I think it was, would you say, seven others were critically not well, were injured, had to take them to the hospital. Don't know how bad the condition was. But apparently a uh, five-ton truck carrying uh, Marines. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see them going on the highway all the time uh, when they're doing these convoys. A uh, number of Marines in the back of the truck. It looks like it flipped over. Two of the Marines lost their lives. So sorry to have to report that. Yeah, and I don't think uh, the average person realizes, um, you know, not just at wartime, but when Marines are training and, and when you know, military are training, our training exercises are often very, very dangerous yeah. because, yeah. you know, they're they're wargaming, so to speak, yeah. what they do Preparing during, during wartime. Yeah. And it's, it's dangerous business. It really is. Say prayers for them tonight. Uh, uh, their families. Uh, there's going to be some uh, – Broken hearts tonight down in uh, Camp Lejeune. Um, Taking a look at your weather forecast, rain likely after 3 o'clock tomorrow, um, high near 56. Chance of rain tomorrow about 60% in the afternoon. Uh, Thursday night, the rain uh, likely before 2 a.m. Then in the middle of the night, Thursday night, it turns to freezing rain and sleet. The low will get around 27 Chance of precip on Thursday night is 70%. Friday, freezing rain and sleet likely becoming all sleet after 8 a.m. Your high on Friday is only going to be 28. Mm. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I hope and pray that uh, it's snow and not freezing rain and sleet. Freezing rain and sl- especially freezing rain is just – I mean, there's no way – you know, northerners like to make fun of us for not knowing how to drive in snow and ice. No one can drive in ice. No, I, I mean, ice. I mean, black, I, black I, ice I, is just terrible. I mean, I grew up in snow, but uh, ice – I mean, you can't do it. I mean, it's it, – you will uh, lose your footing or your, you'll, your car will lose its uh, tires uh, and slide right off the road. So – the Daily Wire and a number of other outlets along with The Daily Wire are reporting that Alabama football coach Nick Saban 
along with NBA Hall of Famer Jerry West, were two of five sports figures to pen a letter to Joe Manchin urging him to support the Democrat election legislation. Both West and Saban were born in West Virginia. Quote, this is right out of the letter, we strongly support urgently needed legislation that will protect both the rights of voters and the integrity of outcomes in all federal elections. The Freedom to Vote Act, which you sponsored with committee chair Senator Amy Klobuchar and other colleagues, effectively addressed these goals. Now, we also support your leadership in shaping legislation to secure our democracy by protecting election integrity, principled presidential transition, and our national security during transitions. We come from some of our nation's most popular sports leagues, conferences, and teams. Some of us have roots and shaped our lives in West Virginia. Others followed very different paths, and some of us have been rivals in sports or business. But we are all certain that democracy is best when voting is open to everyone on a level playing field. The referees are neutral, and the end of the game, the final score is respected and accepted. Well, first of all, who who does not have the opportunity to vote right now in the United States? (laughs) That, you know, I have lived um, four or five different places in my voting life, and not once. And, and I voted in majority uh, minority districts, majority um, ma- majority districts, um, inner cities, all over the place. I've never seen anybody's. <laughs> it, it's easy to vote. I mean, the last it, time— No the, one's rights are being— the, the last time I heard a story about someone being the denied the right to vote— took place in Philadelphia when Black Panther members were at the voting polling place. I remember that. And they had nightsticks, and they were standing there, and they would not let anybody that did not look like they would vote for Barack Obama to come into the voting booth and vote. That was the last time I heard about having someone having their right to vote denied. The uh, idea, though, that— <laughs> That they would say, oh, and we come from our nation's most popular sports leagues, conferences, and teams. So what? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't give a rat's rear end what Jerry West and Nick Saban thinks about anything other than their particular sport and don't care much about what they think about their particular sport. But I read that letter that they signed and the other four or five that signed it and Paul Taglaboo was yeah. one of them. Uh, West Virginia athletic director Oliver Luck, Buffalo Bills linebacker Daryl Talley. Yeah, uh, what Taglaboo used to be the NFL commissioner. Yeah, yeah, former NFL commissioner. I'll be willing to bet not a single one of those have read one damn thing on this on this no. bill. No. I well, was, obvious from what they wrote. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's just it just kills me, and it's all part of this. I mean, they're afraid of being canceled, just like everyone else in sports and in corporate America and in institutional America. This wave of this mess is repeated over and over and over again, and they just they just pile on because Nick Saban, this is what Nick Saban cares about. Nick Saban cares about Nick Saban. Nick Saban cares about that he can go into a young 18-year-old black man from from South Carolina, Alabama, or Louisiana and see if he can get his ass to play football in Alabama. That's what Nick Saban cares about and cares about how it's going to affect his bank account. And it's just kills Telling me. it like it is. Which just Betty Hardy. K- k- kills me. He's been coaching just like Mac Brown, Coach K, Roy Williams. They've been k- coaching for almost 50 years. Not one time have they mentioned 
uh, structural racism or systemic racism or voting rights, and all of a sudden it's in vogue, and no, they all no, of a sudden no. they stand up. They're full of crap. You know, what's really interesting, uh, I won't mention his name, but actually I've heard this from a couple of different folks. But one was an assistant coach at a uh, pretty top-tier program, played at a top-tier program, and coached at one, and got out of football coaching. Now, he was never head coach, but uh, as a young man, he, he coached for probably six, eight years, and uh, finally got out of it because, uh, and I had a chance to talk to him, nice guy, great guy, and uh, he said, you know, the problem is these guys that are in these big programs like Nick Saban and his staff, that's all they think about is football. That's yep. their whole life. Mm-hmm. And he said it would drive me crazy because he would look at the world and see how the world is in need of a lot of things besides sports and football. But for these guys, it is, it is their God. It is everything that they dreamed of. It's everything they live, breathe, think, talk, sleep. It's everything is football. And he said they don't have a clue of what's going on, what's going on outside of their football world. They don't have a clue. And it's very obvious Nick Saban doesn't have a clue. And as such, keep your mouth shut. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, most highly successful people are – engrossed in what their specialty are but at the same time their sports people are just like entertainers they live in a fan especially yep. especially yep. actors and actresses i mean their life is not reality it is fantasy yeah. and that's sports, rather nuts sports people <laughs> are not much different at all i mean nick saban cares about renewing his 10 million dollar contract and the way to get there is to make sure no one cancels him so he can't have the oh, yeah. number one recruiting class in america that's what nick yeah. saban cares about uh, very, very disappointing. Uh, it just, it, it just go coach football. You're a good football coach. When it comes to politics, you don't know what you're talking about. And I mean, you ought, you ought to get a hold of this letter. You can go online and get the letter. But um, and sorry to alienate our Alabama fans that listen to the show. But I hope Auburn beats the hell out of you next year. <laughs> <laughs> My Auburn friends appreciate that. There you go. All right, Benny Hardy with uh, his editorial comments. <laughs> Man, I've never seen you get so worked up. Well, it's just I, I just despise hypocrisy, and I despise people that all of a sudden they they grow a pair all of a sudden, and fifty years they've kept their mouth shut. And if things existed like that for the last fifty years, where were they? That's all I got to say. Speaking of growing a pair, <laughs> the News and Observer is reporting the U.S. Supreme Court won't reser- reverse a lower court ruling. In other words, they they didn't pick up this case that found transgender state employees in the state of North Carolina have the right to sue North Carolina for banning the use of state health insurance to pay for transition care, treatment, or surgery. Six state employees sued in 2019, accusing the state of North Carolina health plan of discrimination against them or their children. Now the lawsuit can go forward. Attorneys for the state argued that it had protection from being sued under the legal doctrine known as sovereign immunity, but an appeals court ruled that the immunity was waived when North Carolina used federal funds on the state's health plan, but did not uphold the requirements of the Affordable Care Act. The judges also said gender-affirming care is medically necessary. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court declined to take up the case without elaborating. That was today. Uh, A couple of points on this. One, when you take federal dollars 
please note there are yeah. strings attached. You said that last week. Yeah, there are strings attached. Um, by the way, this is a total crock, but there is some good news, ladies. I know we're getting graphic here, talking about growing a couple or having them removed if you're. <laughs> part of this lawsuit i could have been talking about ears you know (laughs) but the good news ladies if if you always have wanted a boob job or a facelift go to your insurance company and tell them that you identify as a younger woman and i want big boobs or maybe you want them reduced i don't care whatever you want to do and your insurance company ought to pay for it now you laugh but if a biological male said that said that this is how i identify I want I want to have Uncle Albert removed, and I want to have a couple of big boobs put in. According to this lawsuit, you should be able to get it. How about man? I'm, how about man boobs? Would they pay for man getting rid of man boobs? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I identify as somebody without man boobs. Oh my! <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but this is this is how ridiculous this is. Mm. This these are elective cosmetic surgeries, and for this th- these judges. To say that gender-affirming care is medically necessary. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Gender-affirming care is medically necessary. Yeah, and we're already, our health care system is broken and is financed by about 30% of the people that are paying and, and 70% of the people are not paying, and now we, we're paying for this. We've got to take another time out. We come back. A new Rasmussen poll was covered by the Carolina Journal, and... Uh, it's a little scary as to uh, where Democrats uh, are coming from and what they would like to do to those people that are not vaccinated. Stay with us. We'll be right back. you think he is a genius he's all powerful he brought a kind of heat he could be the best just don't hurt yourself okay more news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in tom Benny and clark and uh, the carolina journal is uh, run an article this afternoon on a new rasmussen poll that finds the majority of likely democratic voters why do they always say democratic they're democrat voters yeah, uh, a lot of people make that. I make that mistake sometimes when they say democratic. It's democrat. I think it's just a well. Well, there's nothing democratic the, the, about the, them. The Carolina Journal got it wrong. Yeah, uh, of likely Democrat voters for, uh, favor taking strong action against Americans who are not vaccinated against COVID nineteen, including fines and home confinement. Forty eight percent of Democrats also would give the green light to government fines or imprisonment for those who questions the efficacy of the vaccine on social media or other public forums. This is unbelievable. 48% of Democrats, Mm. they Mm. want to lock you up if you question the vaccine on social media. Mm. 45% of Democrats give a thumbs up to forcing the unvaccinated to temporary designated areas, while 46% support using digital devices to track the unvaccinated to ensure they are quarantined or properly socially distanced from others. A smaller number of Democrats, 29%, would go so far as to temporarily remove parents' custody of their children if parents refuse to take the vaccine. 
I mean, I know, I know that's that's twenty nine percent of Democrats. That, well, I mean, it just proves what happens. You know, fifty, sixty, seventy five years of indoctrination, and people, um, you know, people give when, when you start giving up uh, your liberty to protect you when you think, huh? think to be protected huh? then you give up everything and sooner or later uh those same 48 percent will be the ones that are um all of a sudden well i hate to compare what happened in nazi germany germany but yeah. people that sat back and was complacent and watched their neighbors being destroyed yeah. when are they going to come for you yeah exactly yeah um, well, it, that, that is interesting. And by the way, that was a legitimate uh, um, uh, poll that was taken by the Heartland Institute. It was released the same day the U.S. Supreme Court handed Biden a, uh, the uh, loss on the mandate. Uh, but what's interesting, so that was just last week that the Supreme Court came out and said, no, nah, we're not going to do the mandate. Interesting stories out today. Travelers to Sweden will no longer be required to show a negative COVID test before entering Sweden. This, the government released that yesterday. Um, in Scotland, Fox News is reporting nightclubs will reopen and limits on hospitality come to an end as all of Scotland's Omicron coronavirus restrictions are lifted next Monday. Now, what's interesting about these two stories is they're not saying, I mean, they're, they're, they're indicating that, okay, we're over the worst of it. But they're not indicating that it's gone away, especially the Sweden article. It basically says that, you know, yeah, we've got 20,000 new cases every day, but uh, you know what? It's out of control. There's nothing we can do about it, so let's just go on with our lives is basically what they're saying. Uh, you know, the, we're, we're, Omicron is here, and we're just going to have to live with it. Well, you know, the, the, the media has been making a big deal about, uh, hey, conservative talk show hosts – test positive for covid with you know was it uh, clay travis and buck sexton and glenn beck had it a week or two ago right and guess what they were they're fine they went to work yeah, they yeah, were working yeah, the whole time yeah, so yeah. they made out like it was a big deal but they went to work yeah. they- <laughs> now this is really interesting the daily wires reporting starbucks announced in a memo this week that it will no longer require its employees to be vaccinated against the coronavirus after the supreme court uh, rejected the biden uh, mandate Starbucks chief operating officer John Culver said, quote, we respect the court's ruling and will comply. Well, there's nothing for you to comply with. And the court's ruling was not directed at you. If you want to force your employees to get vaccinated, that's up to you. But they just came out and said Biden can't mandate it. But here's the bottom line. If an ultra-liberal organization like Starbucks, by the way, I I love Starbucks coffee. I have not had a Starbucks coffee in probably two years. Same here. I mean, I love their coffee, but I I refuse to support this liberal company, liberal organization. But if an ultra-liberal organization like Starbucks is suddenly saying uh, what they said, that, oh, we'll comply with the Supreme Court's ruling, there is something going on. There is a change in the wind, and it's called a, a, a narrative hoping the Dems don't get totally shellacked in this mm-hmm. November's election. I mean, I really think that's what's going on. Now, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Biden White House does in the next couple of days. Now, today in his <clears throat> press conference, you know, he's talking about all the wonderful things he did. Same, same crap that he's been peddling since he's taken office. Pardon my bluntness. But uh, there's a Dr. McCullough who's got a blog out. 
And uh, he quotes a Jeffrey Childers, a, a blog post from earlier, about a week ago. He's an attorney, and he's uh, president and founder of the Childers Law Firm. And he presents this idea that, uh, okay, maybe we're going to start to see an end of the pandemic. And basically, uh, he's saying that between now and March 1st, his, his thought is, and this Mercola guy, uh, Dr. Mercola, agrees with him, quote, there's an interesting political dynamic shaping up, a kind of political vice grip that might just be driving federal COVID policy toward authenticity and, and an end to the pandemic. A lot of reality has been breaking through lately, Childers writes. He goes on to write that um, – uh, and he, he points out, by the way, that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration – um, will now have to release all the Pfizer information. Now, you know, that was they wanted to release it over 75 years. 75 years, years yeah. Now uh, the bulk of the data is due out by March 1st of this year. And uh, his prediction is it's going to be embarrassing. And it's going to make Pfizer and the federal government look bad. He goes on to write, if they can handle this right, they can give their voting, ba- uh, their voting base – and the kowtowing media agents all the necessary talking points to boost Dems prospect for the midterm elections. In other words, what he is saying is they realize they are getting shellacked. They realize that Americans are infuriated with these mandates, with the shutdowns, with how the economy is going, and they're tired of it. They're sick of it. And that's one of the now I don't I it, it will really be – and I think this is a very valid uh, thought, um, that they are on a losing track, and if they want to turn things around, they're going to have to consider things like, you know what, suddenly let's open it up. Let's open everything up. And Biden did talk today about how, well, you know, 95 percent of the schools are open, and they should be open, and they shouldn't close. Uh, it's going to really be interesting to see if the CDC, the Biden administration – and uh, many of these companies begin, like Starbucks, begin to say, you know what, it's it's done. We're finished. It's all. It's okay now. Well, I, I tell you, when when all this is over, if it is ever over, there there needs to be a you know Democrats like to use that word reimagine. Well, you got to reimagine public health and restructure public health because the CDC has been absolutely useless during this time. I mean, I, I just you know we. They've got 23,000 employees, and during the last two years, you know, we make these references to studies out of the country, out of the country. Where in the heck is our state yeah. in the United States? What are those 23,000? 23,000 employees. What are they doing? I, I don't know. What are they doing? If the pandemic's that bad, in which it has been bad at times, if it's that bad, then those 23,000 people should be working every day on the pandemic. Well, quite frankly, after the results we've seen, they ought to be fired. Uh, Speaking of uh, loss of credibility, stay with us. We've got a Fauci story you want to hear when we get back. Covering Brandon's heroics. This, uh, Brandon, she, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um. Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and let's news. Let's go, Brandon. 
Oh, boy. It's one of those programs. It's a good one, Clark. Town uh, <laughs> Hall's reporting that um, the Wuhan coronavirus has been better, better good to the Alfred E. Newman of the medical world, a.k.a. <laughs> Dr. Anthony Fauci. Are you ready for this? Since January 2020, he's graced the cover of a number of magazines. That uh, is the big red flag. Yeah. You got it. But Fauci didn't just get more famous in 2020. He got richer. New analysis published in Forbes breaks down the numbers and shows Fauci made $1.7 million as he shut down the country. Last, uh, um, last night, U.S. Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas, also known by Dr. Fauci as Moron, uh, received Dr. Fauci's unredacted fiscal year 2020 financial disclosures the release following a heated Senate exchange between Fauci and Marshall, which concluded with Fauci's calling the senator a moron. The financial disclosure contained a wealth of previously unknown information. For example, the Fauci household's net worth exceeds $10.4 million. During the pandemic year of 2020, their household income, perks and benefits, and unrealized gains totaled $1,776,479, including federal income and benefits of $868,812, outside royalties and travel perks totaling $113,298, and investment accounts increased by $794,369, all since uh, January of 2020. So, uh, yeah. Wuhan virus been very, very good to Anthony Fauci. <laughs> you know exactly. You throwing up a whole Saturday Night Live skit, huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you said it in our last segment. The medical industry between Anthony Fauci and the CDC has lost an incredible amount of credibility. I don't see how anybody can trust them yeah. again. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. See you at 5 o'clock. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.